this Saturday morning. Welcome. Thank you for making us a part of your weekend right here on CBS Sports Radio. A happy early. So I won't get a chance to do it again before the holiday comes around. A happy early Thanksgiving to you. Hopefully the holidays are going to be fun, enjoyable, surrounded by good food, good family, and some good football. So happy early Thanksgiving. And a reminder, if you miss any part of the show, don't worry. Check out the Hick at Night podcast, night spelled N-I-T-E. That is where you can get caught up on everything from this show. All right, so the biggest game of the regular season in the NFL so far is Monday night, Eagles and Chiefs. My perspective on this game, uh, or on that game, I should say, is this. I think this is the biggest regular season game of Patrick Mahomes' career. Because I think for the first time in a long time, they have to prove their offense is good enough to win playoff games. Like, Kansas City actually has something to prove here on Monday night at home against the Eagles. Because I don't think this offense right now deserves the benefit of the doubt. Not from what we've seen so far this season. Because I think what we've seen is the fact that Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and Travis Kelsey, those three are really damn good. Even this year, they are really good. The problem is everyone else around them is not good whatsoever. And that's why they have to prove it. It's not Reed proving it. This is not doubt about Mahomes or doubt about how good Travis Kelsey is. This is doubt about everything around those three gentlemen. It's those other nine players on the field. Other coaches as well calling the right plays and game planning correctly and getting guys in the right positions to succeed. We have not seen that a lot from Kansas City this season, and I don't think from what we've seen, they deserve the benefit of the doubt going forward here of, oh, yeah, they'll be fine. Nothing to worry about. Kansas City in the playoffs, lock it up. They are going to the Super Bowl. They got to prove they can score points in January. They have to prove on offense they can win games against elite opponents. And that's why I think this is not only a tremendous test for Kansas City, this is a test they have to pass. This is a test they have to pass, which is why I think this is the biggest regular season game of Patrick Mahomes' career. Last year, they were able to figure it out without Tyreek Hill. Right? You trade away arguably maybe the best wide receiver in the NFL, if not on a short list of the top three in the NFL. You do it before last year's season. And what happens, you win a Super Bowl, no problem, and still have one of the best offenses in the league. You were able to prove it last year, and you were able to have guys step up at different points last year to fill the void Hill left and make some big plays for this offense. Last year, guys stepped up. This year, that's not the case. Look at the Chiefs right now offense. Look how they're performing. So far as we enter into week 11, the Chiefs are 13th in the NFL in scoring offense. They're averaging just 23.1 points per game. For comparison to last year, with a similar offense in terms of personnel, they were first in the NFL 
in scoring offense, just shy of 30 points per game. So we're talking about a touchdown difference being worse this year compared to last year. In terms of yards per game, total offense, they're eighth in the NFL. They were first last year. So this offense has dropped off. Now, there is a statistical, but also you watch with your eyes, just your eye test as well, statistical and eye test drop off from this year's Chiefs compared to last year's Chiefs. This is not the same offense. In large part because outside of Kelsey, there is no receiving or rushing threat on this offense. Last year, you had Juju Smith-Schuster, who was basically a 1,000-yard receiver. It was like 933, I think the exact number was for him. Just shy of 1,000 yards. So obviously, you have Travis Kelsey, who was still not lost a step, still is a tremendous talent. But you had another answer when teams double and triple covered Kelsey. Okay, there's Juju. Really productive season. Marquez Valdez-Scanling was a threat. Jarek McKinnon was a stud out of the backfield, a touchdown machine receiving the ball out of the backfield. Those guys are either not there in the case of Juju or not replicating their 2022 success. I mean, Rasheed Rice right now is the best receiving option. He's a rookie. Jarek McKinnon has been nowhere near, uh, near as effective this year as it was last year. The Chiefs have major questions right now in offense. And they also have major questions in offense when they play good teams. Like this is right now going to be the fifth team they've played that's currently in a playoff spot. The four teams they've played prior, Lions, Jaguars, Dolphins, Vikings. In those four games so far this season, they have played against teams currently right now in the playoff race. They have averaged just 19.5 points per game. 19.5 for an Andy Reid Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey-led offense. And again, I'm not calling out or doubting Andy Reid. I am not doubting Patrick Mahomes and questioning his greatness or Travis Kelsey's greatness. This has nothing to do with them. What it has to do with is the guys around them. Can you step up and make plays? Can Rasheed Rice become a dependent number two wide receiver? Can Marquez Valdez-Scanling replicate the success he had in Kansas City last year? Can you get receivers out of the backfield now to be, you know, or running backs out of the backfield, I should say, to be receiving threats? Can you establish a run game? We all like Isaiah Pacheco. Run game for Kansas City stinks. It's one of the worst in the NFL. They can't consistently run the ball. And that's why I think Monday night is a big test. Again, Mahomes has to play well, but can guys around him step up? And if the answer continues to be no, I don't get how you can have confidence or belief in Kansas City that they are the, you know, lock in the AFC to go to the Super Bowl come January. Even at, you know, if they have home field, they can't score. Every game they're going to be in is going to be close. It's not a lock whatsoever. So this is the first time in a long time we can actually sit here and question Kansas City's offense. Have our doubts. Wonder, uh, are they ever going to figure it out? 
is anyone ever going to step up and make a play here? And that's why I think this game against Philly is so big, so pivotal. You play well against this loaded Eagles team and loaded Eagles defense, I think that carries momentum for the rest of the season. If it's a stinker, and we're talking about another 17-point, 20-point, 23-point performance, yeah, it's time to... Time to hit the panic button. Time to have some real concerns about this Kansas City offense. And if this is the year that they might be holding them back. There's no, right? There's no doubt about the defense. The defense are the first time in the Reed Mahomes era. It's actually good. It's actually a strength of this team. But now the questions are about the offense. I think Tuesday morning, if we're talking about, again, a 27-20 loss... 27-17 loss to the Eagles. There is real reason to be alarmed with Kansas City's offense. Even though you look around the rest of the AFC, there's not a team that's head and shoulders right now ready to challenge them. I'm worried about the Ravens offense without Mark Andrews, who's done now for the rest of the season. Obviously, the biggest thorn in the, in the Chiefs side recently, the Bengals, they're done without Joe Burrow. I'm still a believer in the Browns being a dangerous team because of that defense and that run game, it is P.J. Walker and it is Dorian Thompson-Robinson going to be the two quarterbacks now going the rest of the way for Cleveland. The Dolphins, Jaguars have not been able to play their best when it matters most. And we saw the Dolphins a few weeks ago in Germany score 14 points. The highest scoring offense in the NFL, two touchdowns, shut out in the first half against this Chiefs defense. There, despite the fact, really, that there's no clear-cut team that is equal, if not better, than the Chiefs, I still have concerns about this offense, and this, to me, is still a prove-it game. This is a prove-it game not for Reed, not for Mahomes, not for Kelsey, but for everyone around him. Can anyone step up and provide a safety valve? a reliable effort. If not, like we've seen most of this season, I think there's no reason I think it's going to pop up anytime soon here. This is a big game here for the Chiefs, especially being at home. That gives you the advantage as well. You had a lot of different contributors in the Super Bowl last year. You got to carry that over. There's a lot of pressure here on the Chiefs to come through and win this game. But not only win this game, I think win this game in a way that is aesthetically pleasing. Win this game in a way where the offense is back on track. This is a big opportunity here. There's a lot of pressure on the Chiefs, specifically this offense, to come through. That's why I think, not I'm not overstating it, this is the biggest regular season game of Patrick Mahomes' career. This offense has to step up. This offense hasn't so far this season. This is a big opportunity for them on the biggest stage they will have this season. And there's no bigger game right now. 49ers-Eagles is going to be really interesting in December. So that could take the cake. But up to this point, at least through 11 weeks, there is no bigger game in the NFL right now than Chiefs-Eagles. The stage is going to be there. 
Now the question is going to be, will the Chiefs come through offensively? I don't think they will. I think the Eagles are going into Arrowhead and winning. I think Tuesday morning, we're going to be talking about offensive concerns for Kansas City. So 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. At Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. Is this a prove-it game for Kansas City? So they have to prove it offensively and show in a game like this against an opponent like this, they can score, or do they have the benefit of the doubt from you that, hey, even if they don't play well, I know come January they'll figure it out and they'll find a way to go back to the Super Bowl. 855-212-4227. We also just were talking about before a problem I'm having at my apartment. I live in a small apartment building, six floors, and one guy that lives there has a dog and decided to walk his dog right in front of our building. There's one entrance, there is one exit. One way in, one way out. And the walkway to get to the front door is very narrow. Narrow hallway, narrow walkway. And one guy that lives in my building decided to let his dog go number one right in front of the steps of our apartment. Basically, I had to do a little hop, skip, and a jump to get over the dog pee to get to the front door. I thought this was egregious. This was outrageous. My girlfriend said, what's the big deal? Who cares? Even Alex is saying the same thing. So I'm outnumbered here. My producer is against me. My girlfriend is against me. But I am outraged. I don't think this is this is acceptable behavior whatsoever to allow your dog in front of your own building to go take care of their business right in front of the steps. Tommy in New Orleans has some thoughts on that. What's up, Tom? Ryan, uh, good morning. Uh, good morning. Everybody out there in Radio Land. Um, my son's name is Ryan. and uh, Great name. Uh, my, my ex-wife wanted to name him like Ridge or Wiley or some crap like that. I said, listen, um, my son's going to get his ass kicked for a lot of things, but it's not going to be because of his name. So his name is Ryan. Um, so Ryan means Tommy, you already sound like a guy I can trust and a smart man. Yeah, do, you, do you know what Ryan means in, in Irish or Gaelic? It means king. Did you know that? Little king. My mom actually does say that, yes. There you go. Okay, your pee problem. Um, the guy's dog peed in front of your apartment door or the building's apartment door? Building's apartment door. Okay, here's what you do. I got a solution. You borrow a dog, okay? Okay. And you get the dog to pee in front of that dude's apartment door, right? Oh, wow. Or we got carpeted floors. Really the point is, the, carpeted the floors in the hallway. Over, so that's right? gonna that's gonna smell. I know, but then you give the dog back, right? Okay. You borrow the dog, or you pee or defecate in front of his apartment. That'll get that'll make the point. My real suggestion is wow. you do the old dog crap on fire trick. You borrow a dog, get the dog to defecate in the bag, the brown paper bag, like a lunch bag. Right. Set it on fire. Right. Knock on his door and leave. What he's going to do is try to stamp it out. That way, he'll uh, he'll get the message. And that's my solution. You know, Tommy, violence is not always the answer, and maybe it's it's probably not the answer in this situation. I, I appreciate your creativity. Now, a few issues here. Number one, we have security cameras. So I'm sure if he sees a lit, fire, uh, lit bag of dog crap in front of his door, I would assume he'll probably call the building and say, hey, look. Who put this here? And they're going to see 
my ugly mug running up the stairs and quickly put two and two together. Oh, he did it. Don't know if that's the best solution. Number two, we do have carpeted floors. Crappy apartment. I crappy is, is unfair. I like our apartment building. It's modest. We, we get what we pay for. But it is carpeted floors. And so I am worried whether it's number one or number two. If it's in the carpet, it stays there for a while. If the hallway smells, I'm going to pay the price because I'm going to have to smell it every day. I don't really want to deal with that. I do want to send a message, but I want to send a message that doesn't impact me. You know the you know the Matt Barnes quote where he said violence is never the answer, but sometimes it is. <laughs> I feel like this is a great scenario. That is interesting. I do like that. Um, I'm not gonna punch him. At least I'm not gonna say on the air I'm gonna punch him because I'm not gonna implicate myself. Um, I think I might just go. I gotta. I think I gotta catch him in the act. That's what I think. Because now the problem is. Too much time has passed between when the act first happened to when I'm talking. Again, it's probably like two weeks ago. So I just come up to him tomorrow, knock his door, like, hey, buddy, what the F? I think it's a little too, too, like the, the, the statute of limitations has already passed. The second time is when you right. confront. Right. I got to catch him. And I think maybe I'll give him, I think I might go, the tone I might give is exacerbated. Like, are you kidding me? Like, what are you thinking sort of thing? Like, how do you think this is okay? I don't think coming in hot charging at him is going to be my, my way to go about it. Now, if he wants, if he wants to escalate it to that level, I can match his energy. But I think I'm going to start at being kind of almost maybe going like the more the parent route of, hey, we're not mad, we're disappointed, and that always hurts way more than if they were mad. I may go that route and just really try to just be like, what are you thinking? How do you think this is okay? And let me see where things go from there. So the biggest thing is catching him in the act. I'll be on the lookout. Tommy, I love the suggestions. I appreciate your creativity. I'm going to pass for now. Now I'll say this. If things escalate, if he wants to make this a war, then all of a sudden let's go to war. And all things are on the table. Right now, I will table your suggestions about getting, um, getting payback. But maybe I'll revisit it if things do uh, do call for it. So 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. Chiefs, Eagles. Who has more pressure on? Is it Kansas City or is it Philadelphia in this massive Week 11 matchup? We'll get your thoughts on that. Also, when we return, we did have some more Michigan news. Another Friday news dump when it comes to Michigan this time, heads are rolling. Linebackers coach Chris Partridge fired from his job. That, I mean, there's just one. There is only one way this entire Michigan saga is ending. It is Ryan Hickey with right here on CBS Sports Radio. That clip just, to me, gets funnier by the day. We said this, I was on CBS Sports Radio earlier this week talking about Texas A&M's job opening and why the worst hire A&M could make in this cycle is Deion Sanders. And you saw why a few hours ago. If you watch any of Colorado, Washington states, you saw why Deion Sanders would be an awful hire for Texas A&M. He's not a good coach. He's a good recruiter. He's a good promoter. He is not a good X's and O's coach, 
And that's exactly what Texas A&M needs. They don't need someone to come in here and, and talk great and talk a big game and, and get A&M on the map and bring in some recruits. They can do that already. They need now to, to actually bring people in that can win games, that can coach the talent. And that's the thing that Colorado has done very poorly this year. They have not coached the talent very well. We could talk about all oh, 1-11. They were 111 last year. Guess what? 75% of those players on that 111 team are not on the team anymore. Deion Sanders brought in his own guys. He brought in his own talent. That team is nowhere near what they were last year. It is a much more improved, much more skilled team this year compared to last year. So you can't say, oh, well, look, he, he Got you know took over one eleven team and now they got four wins. That's a great improvement. This team is much more talented than last year's team was. And after you start three and zero, being four and seven is a letdown. This year, I would categorize as a disappointing year for Dion for Colorado. They got talent and they don't know how to coach it. Colorado, if you watch any of their games, you will see it right away. They are one of the most poorly coached teams in college football. Poorly coached, bad fundamentals, bad situational awareness, undisciplined, terrible at making in-game adjustments, terrible at making in-season adjustments. They change offense coordinators. Oh, good thing. Good thing they didn't touch the defense because that's the one thing that's working for them. As you allow 42 points in the first half to Washington State on a six-game losing streak. But hey, the offense has got to change. We got to change OOCs. Defense will stay. Offense has got to go. Got it. Right. Okay, that's, that's the move. Let's keep calling these long pass plays with a bad offensive line and the quarterback in Shador Sanders that does not have a that does not have very good pocket awareness whatsoever. Let's keep calling these long developing routes. Sounds good. Got it, coach. That's why these questions and these thoughts of Dion going to Texas A&M, they are flat out laughable. He is not a good coach. He's a good recruiter and a good promoter. That is not what A&M needs. All right, it is Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. We did talk before, Eagles-Chiefs. I think this is a big game here for the Chiefs. They actually, this is the biggest regular season game of Patrick Mahomes' career. The offense has to come through. The offense has to show you something. They have not shown anything so far this season. And if you are believing in them in the postseason, I think you got to see something first offensively before you can believe. 855-212-4227. Hunter is calling from Santa Clara with some thoughts. What's up, Hunter? Not doing these questions and these thoughts of Dion going to Texas A&M. All right. Hunter's got the radio on. Rookie move. Come on, man. You can listen through the phone. Listen through the phone. That's a song. You can sing it too in your head. Tony is in Massachusetts with some thoughts on Deion Sanders. What's up, Tone? Hey, what's up, Ryan? I just heard what you said about Dion. You know, I think... <laughs> Like you said, he's a great recruiter, and 
he really doesn't have to be a great coach, but what he needs to do is he needs to bring in the best people around him on his staff, get a good offensive coordinator and a yep. good defensive coordinator, and that program will take off because you know who is not going to want to – just like you just said, that roster this year, is with the roster from last year, there's hardly anybody left. Everybody would wants to go and play for him. And all he has to do – I think he has some loyalty to some of his staff. He needs to get rid of that, man. He needs to go out and get the best offensive coordinator he can get and the best defensive coordinator, and he just motivates and recruits. That's all he has to do. You're right about that, Tony, and that's where I think still questions come in. Appreciate the call, buddy. Like you see this year, you bring in Sean Lewis as your offense coordinator, demote him halfway through the year. You bring in a defense coordinator who has helped coach one of the worst, like literally one of the worst defenses in all the country. You make a change on the offensive side when that's been the the better, stronger side. You touch nothing on the defense as they continue to get shredded game after game. Can't stop a nosebleed whatsoever. He has shown, again, to not be a very good coach when it comes to making adjustments in season, let alone in game. Tony, like you're right, Tony, he's more of a CEO role, and we see that now with a lot more coaches. Right, Nick Saban, CEO role. James Franklin, CEO role. Jim Harbaugh, CEO role. That's becoming more and more popular now in college football where the head coach is not calling the plays and instead managing and taking care of everything else. And if you're going to do that, you better make knockout hires. And by the way, keep doing so. Because if, when you are not calling plays offensively or defensively, and you your team has success, and you are good at hiring, people are going to continue to hire off your staff. Again, Alabama, there's a reason why there's coordinator turnover every year, every two years. Because everyone's hiring Alabama offensive and defensive coordinators. So Nick Saban has to be not only you know good at hiring one offensive coordinator, he's got to be great at hiring five offensive coordinators in eight years. But it's a cycle. And right now, Dion has to prove that, and he has not proven that so far in this early tenure at Colorado. That's going to be one of the biggest questions he has to prove people wrong with. Great to have, again, a lot of pomp, a lot of circumstance, have the rock at games, have ESPN college game day and big noon kickoff, everyone on your campus. But now that things are real, now that the book is out, now that the, the spotlight has gone away, like how can you adjust? How can you play better? And right now, Colorado has gotten worse. They are a team that has gotten worse each and every week. Very fitting rejoin here, Alex, because speaking of running, Jim Harbaugh is going to be running. And he's going to be running away from Michigan. There is no chance, zero, Jim Harbaugh is coaching Michigan next year. The only question at this point, unfortunately, is does he leave Ann Arbor with a championship ring on his finger or not? But either way, ring or not, I see him gone from Michigan and not coaching this team in 2024, and the news we got on Friday confirms that. So a day after Michigan dropped their appeal, and all of a sudden, after crying victim, after claiming the Big Ten was acting, to quote Michigan, unethically, 
among other words they used. They accepted the three-game ban of Jim Harbaugh, and then the very next day, Friday, fired linebackers coach Chris Partridge out of nowhere, out of the blue. Why do they do that? Well, it turns out the NCAA went to Michigan and said, hey, look, more information. Not only was a booster, allegedly, because now that booster is on the record to Yahoo Sports saying he's a scapegoat and actually did not sponsor Connor Stallions' cheating scheme, but that's at least what the NCAA is alleging, that Connor Stallions was funded by a booster, but also that Partridge, the now-fired former assistant Michigan football coach, destroyed evidence. When he found out of the scheme first coming to light, what did he do? Go to the computers. Break them. Trash them. Delete files. Hmm. Michigan has claimed the whole time that Jim Harbaugh didn't know. Uh, didn't know. Well, makes you wonder if Jim Harbaugh didn't know anything and was truly innocent and the rest of the coaches didn't know anything, what information are you deleting then? What is an assistant coach running to the computers as soon as this cheating scandal was first revealed publicly? Why is he going and deleting files, destroying computer files? I don't know if he destroyed an actual computer, but, I mean, if you're deleting evidence, maybe. Just to make sure. Hit the delete button. Hey, just in case, let me just take a hammer and boom, break the computer. Just in case, of course. You're not doing that unless you know, oh, this is some bad stuff on here and we are all being implicated. And you could destroy the computer or not. It's all coming out. Like This is just the tipping point of the iceberg. There is so much more to come. The NCA investigation is still ongoing. The Big Ten may have announced that their investigation has closed. The NCAA's investigation is still very much alive. So more info is coming out. Again, common sense here. Michigan did a terrible job at covering up their tracks when they were buying these tickets and making these financial transactions to get people in stadiums to film other signals. I, we, we got a lot of information in a short amount of time because Michigan did a terrible job at hiding the evidence. So I'm going to assume they did a terrible job at hiding Jim Harbaugh's involvement, if not just flat-out knowledge of it. I'm sure there's an email somewhere or a text message or some sort of smoking gun left behind that implicates Jim Harbaugh and makes it known that he knew this was going on. Again, common sense tells you he knew. You look at videos of a recruiting staffer, which is what Connor Stallions' job title was, standing next to Jim Harbaugh, the offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator, during the biggest game of the season last year at Ohio State. He is not in the head coach's hip pocket. If, one, he didn't have valuable information... And Jim Harbaugh, by the way, let's just also think about this. Jim Harbaugh is not stupid. If someone comes up to you and says, hey, coach, I had this great way of figuring out signals in real time so I could tell you 
when Ohio State is signaling, I could tell you what play they're what, what play they're signaling, offensive and defensive. Well, Jim Harbaugh, I'm sure, heard that. But if you don't know this guy, I'm sure you think to yourself, well, how can I trust that he's right? I'm not going to get burned here by a recruiting staffer telling me a pass is coming when it's a run. I'm in the wrong defensive formation. And now, all of a sudden, Ohio State breaks an 80-yard run, and that could be the, the difference in the game. I think Jim Harbaugh absolutely should have and definitely did his homework in determining, well, how do you know this information? How can I trust you that you're going to get it right? And how you find out is by knowing the details. So again, there to me is no doubt Jim Harbaugh is getting linked to the cheating scandal. And whether he's fired, whether he resigns, whether he gets a head coaching job and does like Pete Carroll did at USC all those years back, and sees the scandal coming and says, you know what, now's my time to go, and takes a head coaching job before a ruling is put down, whatever it may be. The outcome is the same. Jim Harbaugh is not coaching Michigan in 2024. That is a guarantee. The only question is, can he get out of Dodge quick enough before this bleep storm knocks on his front door and really makes him pay? That's really the only question. Do you win a championship this year? And do you leave before you face actual consequences? Not a doubt in my mind, though. 2024, Michigan's gonna be, uh, Michigan will be led by a different head coach. All right, earlier in the hour, I had a big problem with someone who lives in my building who walks his dog literally right in front of the door that we walk in and out of every single day. There's only one exit. There's only one entrance. So everyone that lives in that building is leaving and coming the same way. And one guy that lives there decided it's a good spot to allow his dog on the sidewalk right in front of the entrance to our building to allow his dog to go number one. I freaked out internally. I didn't say anything. Of course, I'm a baby. And I'm non-confrontational. But I'm ready to do something next time. I got to catch him in the act. But I think I'm going to just go up to him and say more of an exasperated, like, what are you doing, man? Versus charging up there with a lot of steam and, and ready to fight. Randy in Arizona has some thoughts. What's up, Randy? Hey, Ryan. Hey. Uh, you know, I'm a 62-year-old guy, and I've been in probably 50 fights. So okay, wow. Experienced in fights. Jeez. You know, you know and stuff my advice would be don't fight. Uh, the best thing that happens when you get in a fight is you hurt your hand. Uh, I've seen guys get infected hands, break fingers, uh, have their hands in a cast for, you know, a long time. The worst thing that can happen, you know, you get your butt kicked. Right. But you know you're going to get a new enemy, right? That's true. Uh, and you live there, right? You I live do there. live there. I live one so, floor above him. So he comes and goes, you come and go. You don't think he's going to remember you beating his butt or whatever happened. You know what I mean? It's just, it's going to be a never-ending thing. And you're going to go, why did I start even bringing this up when someone else will probably fix the problem? So you're saying uh, don't even say anything at all? Yeah, I, I'm telling you, man, uh, how long you might even be gone from that apartment. If you're in an apartment, you probably won't be there that long anyway, right? My lease is up in March. I'm not yeah. sure if I'm staying or going yet. And, you know, like, I, I tell you, I've had problems. I live in a house here. And uh, dogs aren't the problem, but cats. I got a beautiful yard, and they come in and they make big mounds all over my yard. Uh, they climb the fence. 
So, I mean, my last house, it was dogs. Same thing. Everybody lets their their dogs out their front door and lets them crap in your yard because they don't want them crapping in their backyard where they have their barbecues and kids playing, you know? Right. Uh, So, you know, I've made mistakes. I've confronted people, and you get enemies. They tell a friend, and then when they – let's say you're in the right. It sounds like 100% you're in the right here, right? Oh, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Let's say you bring something up, and then – he gets embarrassed, you hurt him, or whatever happens. You think he's going to be honest and tell 20 other people what really happened? He's going to be like, no, my dog was crapping over here. This guy's finicky. And then you get 10 more enemies. You know? Well, it's just, I'm telling you, is interesting. Here's how I used the to The guy who gets in 50 issue. fights says, don't get you into a fight. A I weekend. did not expect that, Randy. Hey, here's, here's what advice I'm Did you win most of them? Good advice. This weekend, find 10 things that bother you about people and then flash back to this one and go, is this even in my top 10? Hmm. Okay. <laughs> I do have a big recency bias, so it, it may, it may wind up there. Randy, really fast. How many of the 50 fights do you think you won? I Roughly. never lost. Wow. I'm a, I'm, I'm a boxer and I wear baggy clothes and I don't ever start anything. And when something just comes my it. way, it's like if I'm in the right and you come at me, I'm gonna. I know I, I got a great jab, man. They usually the jab knocks them right out. To be honest with you, you go jab to the jaw, jab to the ribs. What do you do? Uh, the throat or the jaw, the nose. Uh, everybody starts failing, man. No one, you know. I hate to say it, but it doesn't sound like you're an experienced fighter. If how how can you tell, like Randy? Me, do I do I am I giving off NARP vibes? You said you're the guy that boxes works with you, and you're already scared of him. So doesn't make me think you've got a lot of confidence in your ability. Well, Randy, you'd be right about that. I've never thrown a, a punch in my life in a real fight. Doesn't mean I, I'm not willing to if, if the moment is right. Nonetheless, though, I will figure this out. I'm going to say something, I think, but I'll figure it out hopefully sooner rather than later.